You're listening to Mile 406, your mobile learning opportunity from the Montana Department of Transportation. And now your host of Mile 406. Thank you, Scott. Well, good morning, everybody. We've got a few warm bodies here in Ella. It's delightful to see you. And I understand that we have quite a few folks online. So we're really glad to see you as well. So we've been doing the roadmap to uh, leadership webinars for a while now, trying to find some of the subjects that both managers, supervisors, but also individual contributors can lean into and can find um, helpful and valuable. And uh, today's, I think, is particularly valuable to us all. It is asking us to lean into and to accept a behavior that for many, many of us um, is foreign. That is particularly true when you look at generations because baby boomers were not raised with it, at least in the workplace. We are raised by veteran uh, parents. And our idea, of course, is just like, no, no news is good news, that's okay. Um, that is not the case for millennials. That's not the case for the next generation, which we're calling iGen. We have a lot of names for the next generation. A lot of people say Gen Z, but then I think, well, what happens after Gen Z? So little I, of course, stands for the internet. I think it's a really good description of that next generation. They also have, are expecting, as are millennials, lots and lots of feedback. So it is a concept that we really need to, um, to lean into. We need to see some value to it. It may not always be the most fun thing you do in a day, um, but it can be really, really impactful. And so that's why we chose it for this web, uh, webinar today. So you should have the PowerPoint up in front of you. And what you see there, drum roll please, is a feedback sign. That is his actual name. I had to verify that with our uh, engineers here in Helen. I said, David, is this really what it's called? He goes, yep, it's called a feedback sign. It is the most effective way, at least from what I've been told, to slow down the traveling public because they, they are going at a speed and they find out real quick that that's not the speed they're supposed to be going. We even have feedback signs that will pop up with a message like slow down, you know, that is flashing. Uh, we've probably all seen some of those. That's exactly what we want with feedback. You want some information about something that maybe should be different or that's really terrific and we want you to continue. And then we want a suggestion on how to go about that. And that's what feedback is. So I was delighted when I saw this picture. I said, yeah, this is exactly what I need because this is what we're talking about. All right, so let's dive in and see what we're talking about. When we say we need more communication around here. In 2018, my colleague Casey and I went all around the state of Montana doing focus groups with MDT employees. Some of you may have actually been in them. And we learned a lot of good stuff that we then fed up to senior management. But of course, the number one recurring theme was, hey, we need more communication around here. Or, hey, we need better communication around here. People sometimes have a hard time defining that, but that was clearly an ongoing message that we heard a lot. When you asked them, well, like, if you had to choose one or two or three things, what are you talking about? Most folks talked about transparency but they want more communication from decision makers on what's happening and what's in the future. What does that look like to me? So sharing that transparency. It's one of the reasons we started the town halls every other month, right? Um, and then they also said, you know, career development, what that means and do I have a future here? What do I have to do to get the future I want? Does my future match with your future? Those sorts of discussions were another part of the communication sandwich more or less an equation that people really wanted. Okay, so that kind of makes sense. Guess what? That's what feedback is. Feedback is just simply a form of communication that can help in a lot of ways. So we have a lot of sort of um, anecdotal evidence. We have a little bit of history. And I'm sure that Casey and I were not the first ones that did focus groups. We could probably go back in the last 20 years and find some more examples of that. So we've got some of this um, um, evidence that it really matters to people. And yet so many folks are not comfortable with using feedback to do these kinds of things. 
So that's kind of like most of what we want to talk about today um, is to look at that. All right, so here's a great quote. Uh, Daniel Pink wrote a great book called Drive, and he says that when we make progress, when we get better at things, that in and of itself is inherently motivating. In order for people to make progress, they have to get feedback and information on how they're doing. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I think it was, I think it was Bill Gates who had a really simple phrase that said feedback. He said, yeah, that's just how we all get better. <laughs> it's really, really a very simple statement. So, like I said earlier, don't ask a baby boomer <clears throat> whether or not they agree with this. They will tell you that no news is good news. But for other wiser generations, it's like, yeah, this is how I get better. This is how I improve. I'm willing to share it with you if you'll share it with me. So that really works. All right, let me give you a few stats and make the case. I've got five up here. I could have given you 105. So some interesting things for you to think about. There's two companies that's, uh, that do a lot of employee engagement surveys and they go out and they put together programs for organizations. One's called Office Vibe and one is called Tiny Pulse. And they're pretty well respected within the industry. So they have statistics that you can imagine. I've all got, also got statistics from LinkedIn. I've got statistics from the Robert Taft Employment Agency, and I've got a statistic from the Society of Human Resource Managers. So some pretty good stuff about how important it can be. So Office 5 did a survey and said that when you give regular employee feedback, you can see your turnover lower by as much as 15% per year. Okay, that's pretty decent uh, reduction in this day and age when we have such a struggle with uh, recruiting. Um, employees that don't feel comfortable giving upward feedback are 16% less likely to stay with their organizations. So not only do we need feedback to get better ourselves, we wanna feel like we're part of the process in feeding it up. 16% is a decent uh, statistic there. LinkedIn said that 93% of the employees they surveyed would stay at a company longer if it invested in their careers. So we heard in 2018. And then uh, Society for Resource, Human Resource Managers said 89% of the HR managers that they surveyed said that ongoing peer feedback, as well as the check-in process between subordinate and their supervisor, create a positive culture within the organization. And we have now had the check-in process for a couple of years, although it's it's been kind of a slow start. I think we're making some progress. So like I said, you know, uh, that's, that's pretty good, uh, some pretty good examples of what that could look like if an organization were to make feedback culture. So that's where I'd like to start this morning is not, hey, here's how you do it. We can, and I will spend some time on that, but that's pretty darn easy. With a little bit of practice and coaching and mentoring, you can get, you can get real good at it. But is the culture there that supports it? And right now, MBT is lacking in that culture, as is most of the American workplace. So we're right there with a lot of other folks, right? And they need to work on it. All right, so I'm just going to tell you, it is how you learn, and it is how you interact with others, and it's how you go through your life. Psychologists will tell you that being ignored is almost, from a psychological perspective, it is worse than being abused. Because at least with abuse, you're there, you, you exist in all the wrong ways, but, but you're there. When you are totally and completely ostracized, when you are shunned, when you don't matter to anybody, he said that as a human being is the worst possible place to be. Now, if you look at it from an evolutionary perspective, that makes sense. Because when we were all, we're in a hunting and gathering sort of environment, to be out in the environment by yourself was really dangerous. So it makes sense. 
that to be part of a team is what brings safety and a sense of that sense of belonging. Um, you know, it is a, a safer place to be. So it makes sense that that would be the case. Um, and because of that, as humans, we get feedback all the time. So you know that sometimes it's physical, right? Somebody rolls their eyes and goes, <gasps> you know, or someone leans in and smiles, that's feedback. People say things to you, agree, disagree, give you their opinion, ask you for your opinion. That's a form of feedback. There's all sorts of ways we do it. I challenge you to live without feedback for two weeks and see what kind of week you'd have. It would not be good. And my guess is in this day and age, you can't even do it. One of the big changes in the generations over the last, say, 20 years has been, of course, the um, development of technology and the internet and such and um, all the virtual worlds we can now live in. And so we have younger generations that have been getting feedback um, in a sort of in a virtual form since they were little kids. You know, you play a game of solitaire and you say, woohoo, you won. That's feedback. You know, you get a, you, you know, sign up for fantasy football and you get to compare yourself to everybody else, how you're doing. That's feedback. So we have a, we have a world that is filled with feedback now. And younger generations are just like, yes, no big deal. I do something, I get some feedback about it. So they've taken it out of the realm of, well, okay, once a year I sit down, I talk about my performance, which isn't feedback, by the way. Um, and they've just said, yeah, this is how I live my life. So it really matters. It really, really matters. Okay? It's how we adapt our behavior and our actions and our expectations um, to the reality that's in front of us. That's a good thing. There's really no reason why we, we wouldn't want it. All right? So let's talk a little bit about what's going on in your brain. This is old news to some of you. You've been through some of our classes. We're always talking about the amygdala. I was talking about getting emotionally triggered. But the fact is, is when you do something different, your brain is having to react to that, right? You're having to do X now instead of Y. When you give feedback and say, yeah, that's a really good idea. Let's stop doing X and let's start doing Y. You are creating new neural pathways in your brain. Your brain is learning a new skill. It's learning to do do it a little bit differently, right? So when you do that and you get this sense, okay, wow, that was great. I made some progress. Wow, that was a lot better. Well, that wasn't nearly as difficult as I thought it would be, whatever it might be. We refer to that as the dopamine rush. So that's a neurochemical that is telling you, yeah, you nailed it, do it again. And that is how our brains learn new things and it's how we solidify those new neural pathways. Does feedback do that? Yeah, feedback does that big time. Feedback is telling you, you know, let you and I sit down and talk about this because it didn't work out exactly the way we wanted. So what ideas do you all have on how we can do it differently next time? You're training the brain to go in a new direction. How, how are you ever gonna make those changes unless you get some feedback? So the dopamine rush allows you to not, not only feel good about what you've accomplished, that's a good thing for all of us, but it encourages your brain and your behavior to repeat that now. And that's a real, that's a, that's a, that's a really important value um, to how feedback affects you personally. So this is just something that's happening without us knowing about it, right? You know, we're not, we don't feel it except for that dopamine rush, that real good, aha, this is great sort of excitement. It really works. If you never give feedback, there's less opportunities for people to have these learning moments. So we need to, okay? Reinforces the new behaviors. So I hope that makes sense. In a nutshell, we're looking at human beings from a growth mindset. We're looking at people and saying, yeah, you can get better. And yeah, you're gonna make mistakes, okay. So Carol Dweck says, she's a, sort of the founder of this concept. She says, challenges are exciting rather than being threatening. So rather than thinking, oh, I'm going to reveal my weaknesses, you say, huh, here's a chance to grow. Here's a chance to do something new. And I think Carol Dweck was being really polite there. 
Most of us don't say, I'm going to reveal my weaknesses. What we say is, oh my gosh, I'm going to look like an idiot. This is not going to go well. I might fail. Yeah, you might, but with feedback, you're going to learn from it and you're going to be even better the next time. And a growth mindset looks at life, at opportunities, at challenges, and says, huh, what good can we pull out of this? How can this make us better? This is a learned behavior. And do we live in a culture that really supports and teaches this? Well, not particularly. Okay. So we're working on it, right? As a culture, we're working on it. Educators are very versed now in growth mindset and working with young children. And we're trying to bring it into the workplace as well. So that's what we're really talking about when we talk about you know, feedback, how it works. So the power of yet, I absolutely love that phrase. So if I say, uh, I can't hit a softball. End of story. If I say, well, I can't hit a softball yet. Totally changes the meaning of that sentence, didn't it? I'm not a very good public, I'm, I'm not, oh no, me? No, I'm not a public speaker. Uh, I, I can't do that. Versus, well, I'm not good at it yet, but I'm working at it. That's a growth mindset. So she really emphasizes that. Feedback fits into that equation. Gotta have it. All right. Another model that many of you are very familiar with. I, I don't think we have a class here at MBT, but we don't use it in some way, shape, or form. Was a SCARF model from the Neural Leadership Institute. It talks about drivers of social behavior. That's an interesting concept. This is going back to the new neural pathways of the dopamine rush. It's saying, as humans, these things really matter to us. And because we need to stay safe, humans are wired, our brains are wired much more towards threat than they are towards reward. So what we say in class is that you run away from threat, but you just walk towards reward. That's not suggesting that reward is important to us, but we are wired about, you know, am I in danger here? Right? So, and that makes sense. That would be the case. There are five things, I'm not going to do all five, I'm just going to look at two of them, that drive that behavior. Am I safe? Am I willing to participate in this group? And the two that feedback really um, impacts is relatedness and fairness. So that's the R and the F in the SCARF model. So just very briefly, relatedness is in-group outgroup. Relatedness is saying I belong, that I'm valued for what I bring to the table, that I have something that either others don't have or, or that just makes me a valuable member um, of this organization, whether it's, it's a tribe or it's a, a city-state or it's a you know, family unit, whatever it might be here at MDT, the team that you belong to. So that sense of belonging really matters to us. Feedback reinforces that. Feedback says, hey, you matter to me so much that I want to sit down with you and figure out if you're doing something well, how we can continue to make sure that happens. And you can share it with others. And if you're not doing something so well, then you and I can talk about it. So it really reinforces that sense of belonging. People want it of any generation. They want to belong. And the other one, of course, is fairness. A lot of folks say that what they dislike so much about feedback is it gets dumped on. So they don't have any say on where they're going to get the feedback, when they're going to get it, or what the topic's going to be. It's just like all of a sudden, hey, would you step into my office? Okay, that is absolutely older generation's perspective of feedback. It was always negative. It was always, which is probably a good thing, done in private. And you had no idea it was coming. <laughs> that is not the um, that's not the equation that I'm going to suggest to you today by any means. And because of that, people see it as really unfair. Well, you didn't ask me. You didn't ask me my opinion or my perspective. You're just telling me the way it is. And so you get a lot of pushback. If that is your experience with feedback, I'm here to tell you there's a better way. And if that's your concern about feedback, is you're going to get that pushback from folks, you know, then we can address that. We can find other ways of making it work. 
Because if you don't feel that generally speaking, things are fair, you're going to fight back. Now, we're adults. We understand that life's not always fair. We get that. But we want a sense of all things being equal, there will be a fair um, experience for everybody on the team. So feedback really reinforces the sense of relatedness. And if it is done in a particular way, it really reinforces the idea that this is a fair exchange of ideas between folks. Okay? So we've talked about growth mindset. We've talked about the dopamine rush. We said that, hey, in terms of the things that drive our behavior with one another, that relatedness and fairness really matters. So we've got, we've got kind of some foundational ideas really in thinking about feedback. So we want a culture of feedback. Individual um, uh, opportunities for feedback, they abound. You can find five or 10 a day probably. If some people do them and do them really well, and most people are like, yeah, well, maybe tomorrow, you don't have a culture of feedback. So you need a culture of feedback so that people feel like, A, they belong. That was relatedness I just talked about. They also need a sense of, I understand how my, my career might unfold here. I need to understand how I impact others. So you need a culture that says, yeah, sharing this kind of information makes sense, and we can do it, right? So you want it up, down, and across the chain. <coughs> Most of us grew up with the idea that feedback is always superior to subordinate. No, not necessarily. A culture of feedback is basically a culture of exchanging ideas and perspectives. So of course, that's when we'll up, down, and across the chain. Sometimes you'll be giving feedback to your coworker, the person who sits right next to you. Sometimes you might be, you know, giving feedback to, to your manager. And very often you in fact may be giving it to your subordinates. That's okay. That's feedback. That's a culture of feedback as opposed to individual feedback behaviors. They're, most, they're both important. If you don't have a culture of feedback in time, in time, the specific efforts begin to decrease. So I just paused there as I was starting to say that because I realized that may not be the case moving forward. So if it's not, that would be a fabulous step forward. So it is definitely the case for older generations you just wanted to shove it away and, and put it in a little corner by itself. But as I said, younger generations are used to it. So it might be that it doesn't increase as much. But I will tell you that the cultural aspect of this is how we treat each other. This is how we talk to each other. This is how we share ideas and opinions. That's really important. And millennials are really looking for it, as is the iGen generation. The ability to see whatever is, comes your way from a growth mindset, okay, I hadn't thought of that. Let's talk about that a little bit more. What do you mean by that? So give me an example, that kind of growth mindset. Okay, I'm getting there. It's really important. And of course, you need to act on it, and you need to be comfortable in giving it. So up, up down, and across the chain as a cultural reality is what we're striving for here um, at MDT. And the good news is that we have put together, not we, senior management, um, department administration, all sorts of folks have leaned in on leadership competencies, the things that matter to us as leaders. I've got two of them here that are talking about feedback, although they may not use the, the term. So effectively listens and communicates. Look at the last line. Actively listens <coughs> to individuals' input and is accessible. That's feedback. We need it. How about this one? Encourages development, effectively communicates performance ex expectations and issues. That is not 20 minutes once a year in December or July, whichever calendar you're on. This is ongoing feedback, right? So again, not using the word, but that's what they're referring to. So we understand it from a cultural perspective that it really makes sense. We also understand that from a generational aspect, it is changing and it is becoming not just a nice to have, but a real requirement to develop the kind of culture 
that is going to help us recruit and retain the very best. So there's that, that learning through the generations that's changed. That's a good thing. We also have people that say, yeah, I wrote up a competency. We all agreed. This is what leaders do. This is how they act. So it's been supported there. The reason I like to mention this is that if feedback is new to you, if you don't feel like you do it very well, if you don't, you don't give it very well, you don't ask for it, it's just kind of not, not one of your strengths. To A, understand that you are a really good company, not just here at NDT, but throughout the American workplace, but that it is changing. And that as we lean into it, it will get easier and it will allow us to keep those folks who really expect it sort of on an ongoing basis. So when we rolled out talent, which is now I think two years ago, I think it was 2020, um, so almost three years ago, um, we did a lot of training. We talked about the check-in process and all that sort of stuff. <coughs> and the effort with the talent system, whether or not you love the software is a whole different story. I know there's still a few farming back and forth, which drives people crazy. That's understandable. But the whole idea of talent um, is to put the software, make the software easy enough that you can concentrate on the interaction between people. And that it's the interaction between people that really matters. So when we rolled out that training two years ago, I went out and I did a little bit of research looking at within the um, governmental world as well, as well as just the American workplace in general, you know, how people were doing performance evaluations. And the best companies, okay, I know you had me to define what you mean by that. Many, 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 many successful companies have basically kind of thrown the old fashioned performance appraisal off the window and said, no, feedback once a year isn't feedback. That's not what we're talking about here. We want a culture that, that allows for this exchange all the time. And so their quote, performance managed system are now monthly or quarterly events then just sort of roll up to some sort of definitive you know email or report or a form of some sort at the end of the year to see say that you did it but that it isn't that at all so those are all efforts on the part of a lot of folks to take something like feedback and just make it um, you know part of the part of the everyday which we really want okay. So let's define, define our terms. I hope that I have given you a, a, a foundational idea about the value of it and that it's not an event, it's an ongoing culture. But in its easiest and simplest form, it is simply information about the task that I am sharing with you right now that I hope will affect the future. So really easy description of feedback. We use it in a lot of our classes. Okay, so my colleague Casey has a class on effective feedback. She uses it. Imagine you put it in a supervisor compass. So I think it's a great, simple explanation of what it is. Feedback is not just negative. Let me repeat that. Feedback is not just negative. It is simply information. So should it be positive? Yeah. You want those new neural pathways firing on all cylinders? You need to find something that's working and then make sure that people continue to do that and feel valued and feel happy about the success of what they're doing. Yeah, that's also feedback. It's simply information. And we have many, many millions of people in the American workplace who equate feedback with criticism and it is not criticism. So let's look at that. Okay, it is simply a discussion. It usually requires some sort of action. It may be, hey, just keep keep going, continue what you're doing, you're doing a great job, that's feedback. Um, if it is not positive feedback, but it is in fact corrective feedback, then something has to change. You need to stop doing one thing and start doing another, okay? So if that doesn't happen, then it's pretty clear that the feedback failed. I'm not gonna lay blame as to where the feedback failed from, but it then needs to be redone again. We make the same comment 
What do we teach our critical conversations class? If you're sitting down to have a critical conversation with someone and they don't get it and they don't change their behavior, guess what? You get to have that conversation again because behavior didn't change. So if it is corrective feedback, then that is one of the, the defining factors. Okay, we talked about it. We came up with another idea. You're going to practice it. I'm going to give you some more feedback. Did it work? So it has to be a discussion. It can't be a harangue. Uh, it can't be a data dump. Um, it has to be a discussion. There has to be some definitive action that needs to stop, start, or continue. And then you need to see results. If you have that, then chances are your feedback will be effective. It is not these things. And I've seen a lot of feedback that included these things. So let me tell you about the 15 things that you've done wrong in the last month. No, no, that's not feedback. That's just, that's just rude. Okay, so it's not a data dump. It certainly is not discipline in and of itself. There's a whole dis discipline process. Hopefully, you've had lots of feedback before you get to discipline. So it may be part of the backstory, but it in and of itself is not discipline. It shouldn't be just criticisms and complaints. That is really bringing in personal opinion. Feedback shouldn't be personal opinion. You should have examples. You should say, this is what I saw. Here was the impact that you and I talked about. That's feedback. People often think that this, it's kind of like, I'm just going to sit down. I'm going to tell you what's wrong. I'm going to ask you to knock it off. I'll tell you right now, if it's a safety issue, you go right ahead. If you have to step in and tell someone, stop right now, don't move a muscle, because that was really dangerous. We're not going to do that again. That's your job as a manager. That's not what we're talking about here. So if it's corrective feedback, other than an emergency, some sort of safety issue or whatever, then it's part of an ongoing conversation. And it's not these things. So I hope that this helps for those of you that are like, oh, I hate doing feedback. I hate telling them all the things you're doing wrong. Well, you're doing feedback wrong. <laughs> you need to come up with a different idea. And you'll find that it's much less onerous for sure. Okay? So there's lots and lots of ways to give feedback. And there, there's a lot of really good ones. Clearly, it's going to depend a little bit on your personality. It's definitely going to um, depend a bit on the receiver, their personality, their communication preferences. So what I'd like to do is, is just share about five different models with you. Have you think about it in terms of the people that you report to and the people that might report to you? What might this look like? It also, of course, depends a little bit on the, the nature of the feedback that you're giving. You know, so an engineer might have really different feedback to give than an accountant would, or someone in human resources. Hard to say. Okay. All right. So after you find one that you like, then I need you to commit. That's part of your unofficial homework from today's webinar, is you find something that works for you, and then you practice it, and you commit to it, and you get some feedback on your feedback. How is this working? You know, is this a conversation that was valuable? It was valuable to me. Was it valuable to you? Get some feedback on your feedback. Certainly, the poorly check-in is a part of the process. It is not, it's not all that there is for feedback, but it's part of the process. And we, of course, also have our stay interviews, which for those of you that are searching for our stay interview questions, you can't find them. That's because stay interviews are under the letter R in our forms catalog because it's part of recruiting and retention. So it starts with an S, I agree, but you're not going to find it under S. It is the last thing under the letter R in our forms catalog on the internet. And it is just an opportunity, not for feedback on specific tasks, but feedback on career, feedback on a sense of belonging, feedback on are you having fun here? Feedback on is MDT meeting your needs in terms of your growth. Um, so the stay interview is also a terrific 
uh, it's a tool to use that is absolutely part of the whole family of, of giving and receiving feedback. So find something you like, practice it, commit to it, and get some feedback on it. So any questions so far that have come in? Okay. Not yet. Okay. So <clears throat> I've got five to show you. There's a really easy, and each one of them I have seen to be productive in its own way. So we'll start with the easier ones. This is the one that we include in our management development program. <clears throat> um, core skills, maybe supervisor compass. Um, situation behavior impact comes to us from the Center for Creative Leadership. And it is very, very basic. <clears throat> and is a terrific way to start the conversation. So it's just exactly what it says there. What's the situation? What was the impact to you, to the team, to the customer, whoever the audience was? Uh, excuse me, what was the behavior you saw? And then why did that behavior matter? What was the impact to people? A lot of people really like this model because it's, it's short and sweet. It's also a great way to start a critical conversation if you had to. What this model does not have, and you have to supply it, and that's easy enough, is the follow-up stage. So how do you bring it all together? How do you tie up the loose ends of this conversation and agree on next steps. That is not specified in this model. It is kind of implied in this model. So what's the situation? What is the specific behavior that you saw? And then how did it land on you? How did it land on the team? There's an example I use in an MDP program. Let's say someone has a bit of an anger issue um, problem, right? An um, anger management problem. And they tend to blow up in staff meetings. And because of that, it sort of shuts down the rest of the staff. So whether it's a virtual meeting or a meeting around a table like this, you know, this person all of a sudden is like, wow, this, wow, that, and getting really angry and pounding the table and everyone else sort of just goes. And the meeting's over. You know, then your description, if you use this particular model, was when we were having our staff meeting yesterday, we were talking about Next. When you, from my perspective, you, you kind of lost your temper and you said some things were pretty tough and you looked really angry in terms of your facial expressions. Here's the impact that I saw on the rest of the team. Everybody just stopped talking. We had a pretty good discussion going. And after that, there was silence. <coughs> People kind of looking down. And as the manager, I had a hard time sort of reigniting that conversation. So that's an impact that I just think is not going to work for us. So let you and I sit down and talk about that. Situation behavior impact. Okay, very easy. You're looking for something that doesn't trigger us emotionally. You're looking for something that doesn't automatically make the person defensive. And Keeping it to business impact is one way of doing that. This is another one, almost the same. They use different words. But what happened? Again, what was the impact? And then this one says, okay, so now let's you and I talk about it. Both SBI and EEC are terrific for positive feedback. When this happened and you handled it that way, I was so impressed because the customer went away. They were mad anymore. They're almost smiling. And man, that's a, that's a talent. Keep up the good work. What it was, the impact, and then what you either want to start, stop, or continue. Being, of course, really specific. So let me tell you right now, in case you have any questions about this, this is not feedback. So how am I doing? You're doing great. That enough feedback, okay? This is also not feedback. Okay, you just got a real problem and you just really need to knock it off. That is not feedback. That's an opinion. It may be grounded in some fact. We're not here to argue that, but I'm here to say, tell you that that will not change behavior. You want to change behavior. That's the value of feedback. And if it's good behavior, then you don't want to change it. Obviously you want it to continue. So you need a few more pieces to the puzzle. <coughs> so this is a good one. 
Uh, this does add that last step that SBI does not, which is what are we going to continue and what are we going to change? <coughs> if you want to get a little bit more specific, there's this model. And this is, again, let's start with the situation. Let's not start with opinion. Let's not start with anger and irritation and frustration. Let's start with the specific example of what we're talking about. Again, the impact, expressing it, and then specifying the change that you want to see, and then having the person truly understand the effect of that change on others. So with this particular model, a lot of the discussion phase is in the last step. So if we do it this way, how is that going to impact you? If we make this change, how do you think that will impact the team? Thinking about that angry customer yesterday, if we had done it this way instead, what do you think might have been the consequence of that? So in this particular model, the first three steps are, are kind of the, the gold standard, which is give me the example, be specific, tell me what the impact is. In this particular one, the emphasis is on lesson you and I now talk sort of projected into the future and see, you know, uh, what's going what's gonna to happen if we do it this way instead. So there definitely has to be, of course, we have said, a discussion. This isn't you haranguing somebody. Um, and this particular model really emphasizes talking about the consequences. So a lot of folks like All right. And this one has five steps. Five steps we have found are about the limit for someone to just to remember it up here. You know, when they're in the middle of having to do it, you know, you're not going to whip out your uh, little three by five card that reminds you. So the three and four step processes are pretty easy for us to remember, but five's okay too. So, you know, what's the situation? What's the specific behavior? This one calls it the, the discussion. They call it diagnosis. And this is an interesting sort of spin on it. As is true for the last one I just showed you, this one, the, the, the real gold nugget from this model is in the discussion. Well, why do you think that happened? What do you think triggered us or triggered you or triggered the customer? What else might we have done? It's just the whole, let's, let's unpack this and figure out what happened. And that's really an important part of the process, of course. And then actions. You'll notice it says one or two. And this is an important reminder when giving feedback. One or two behaviors is plenty for most of us. We can't do five. We certainly can't do five all at once. And we won't remember five. We'll remember one or we'll remember two. And that's fair because you're going to follow up your feedback. You're going to follow up the feedback you give with a check-in. And you can say, hey, you said you're going to do this. Did it, did it help you? Okay, so one or two. That's all I want you to work on. All right. This one adds this fifth step that the others don't. And I really like this. And this is just communication 101. I'm sure you folks have done it. I'm sure it's been done to you. Where you ask the individual to share back to you what you've agreed to. So this review is all on the recipient. It's not you repeating everything that you said for the last half hour. This is on you, on the recipient saying, okay, so we've decided that when this happens and I've been faced with a really angry customer, I'm going to do X, I'm going to do Y, and I'm going to do Z. Okay. And it <clears throat> really requires that you as the feedback giver just be quiet and listen and listen to listen for understanding. So from that perspective, I like this model as well. All right. So you can see that there are some real commonalities. It's all about being specific, which means to an extent fairness, right? It's not just your opinion. This is what you saw. This is what happened. This is at least your perspective, maybe why. So let's you and I talk about it. That's the, all right? If you are wondering how to keep that conversation, that diagnostics 
part in the cedar model that tell me the consequences in the model before that. This is a good one to remind you to give you just a real simple roadmap of how to have that conversation. Because it's pretty tough if, in fact, we're talking about corrective feedback here. It is pretty tough when you say, so let's talk about how maybe next time we don't want this to happen. What else can we do? And they look at you and go, well, I don't know. You tell me. That's really, really frustrating. The GROW model is, a, is sort of the gold standard from about the 1980s. It's been around a long time about how to have a conversation about a behavior change. Sort of covers most of the bases and does not build defensiveness. From that perspective, it's really valuable. And it's basically just what's the goal? What's the reality right now that we're dealing with? What are our options? And then do you do you have the will to do it? You know, some will say way forward instead of the word will. It's just like, okay, we've talked about a lot of things. What are you willing to lean into? What am I willing to lean into? Um, how are we going to make this work? So the grow model can, if you are looking at, for instance, um, the diagnosis into action phase on the CEDAR model, the grow model can be a way of keeping that uh, conversation really quite productive and sort of, you know, not, not narrowed to the point where it's not effective, but just not so broad in general that it's ineffective. <clears throat> so that's important. All right. What can we commit to? Who will do it? And by when? Comes in the last phase there. So it's a great coaching model and worth thinking about. And then this is my personal tip. I don't know if there's any books out there. It probably is. I particularly love it. And that is the word perspective. So when you are having these discussions, when you are sharing, the impact of something on you, talking about corrective feedback. Um, when you are relating um, the concern maybe of others, maybe your manager said, oh, she's a problem, we don't want it to happen again, whatever it might be. Um, the word perspective really um, welcomes the person in. So you think about the SPARC model, relatedness and fairness. Fairness is, fairness is triggered when the person feels like, well, you don't care about my my opinion. It didn't really happen that way, but you're not asking for, for you know, my perspective. So it really um, underpins and underscores the idea of, of uh, fairness. And it also says, hey, we're part of the same team. You matter to me and I matter to you. That's related. So it really works. Here's the word perspective. So we had quite a blow up yesterday. It's really important to me that that not continue, um, at least not most of the time around here. So I'm really interested in your perspective on what caused that. Or I watched you handle that, and man, you were terrific. From your perspective, what allows you to do that so well? Because I would love to clone it and make sure the rest of us can as well. It's inviting the person into the meeting, into the discussion, into the learning moment, whatever you want to call it, and, and really ratchets down a sense of I'm on the hot seat and being defensive and having, therefore, so many of us do is we go into attack mode. Well, no, that's not the way it really happened. So you want to know how it really happened? And there goes your feedback, right? So my personal tip Leverage this word, use this word, it's a great word. All right, <laughs> so you will see a plethora of choices, and there's probably a hundred more out there on the internet. You can just do a Google search on feedback models and find all, all of them. You will notice the commonalities. What's the situation? What is the specifics that you saw? And what is the impact, business impact? allows you to keep it away from just personal opinion, right? Doesn't become an argument. All right, there's one more. It's 10 minutes too. We're doing okay here. We have not shared this a lot in our classes, 
because it can be weaponized. But it is a terrific idea. Here's, here's the promise I'm going to extract from everybody, those in front of me as well as those of you in virtual land this morning. And that is, if you are interested in this, you must read the book. Put up by Kim Scott, she's executive in Silicon Valley and the tech industries. And she wrote this book called Radical Candor. I love the subtitle. It says, be a kick-ass boss without losing your humanity. And she has a feedback model that you see here. And she says, one of the things that you have to do as a manager is create a culture of feedback. That's one of your responsibilities, is creating a culture of feedback. And she says, if you're going to do that effectively, you need two things. You need to really, really care about people, your people. You need to develop that inclusive, caring culture that says, I'm glad to see you every day. And you need to be able to couple that with challenging directly when you need to. And if you challenge directly <coughs> and really, really care, you're going to end up in this marvelous world that she calls radical candor, which means you can say the hard things. You can say the things that need to be said. It will be accepted. You may have disagreements. You may have a number of feedback sessions if it was a big event behavior, um, but people feel comfortable in leaning in because they know that you care. If you challenge directly and don't really show people that you care through a, a myriad of behaviors, right? Everything from saying good morning in the morning to, to you know, valuing different personality types to using your emotional intelligence in the most effective way, however it might be, if you don't show that caring, then she calls that simply obnoxious aggr aggression. You're just obnoxious. You know, you're a little bit aggressive. You say, well, that's just the way I am. You know, I just say it like it is. Well, okay. She allows you to say it like it is. That's the challenging directly. But only if your people know that you care. And if you don't, then you end up down here in this lower right-hand column or quadrant. There's not much fun. If, in fact, you really, really, really care and you feel you have so much empathy, you're so soft-hearted, you never want to say the hard things, well, that may be understandable, but she calls that ruinous empathy. So that doesn't work either. And then there's those who want to do neither. They just kind of want to skate along and fake it. And she calls that manipulative insincerity. So an interesting model, like I said, you can weaponize the challenge directly if you don't care enough. And for that reason, we have, um, we, we mentioned it, we talked about it like I have here. Um, it's not the model that we share, for instance, in the MDP program with folks who are even kind of wondering if they want, would like to be a leader or a supervisor someday, um, because they're not, not everybody does that. Equally. So it's an interesting book. It's a great read. We have it in the library. I imagine we have it both audio as well as print. If you really like the concept, just go out and buy your own book because you're going to want to take your highlighter. And you're going to be highlighting a whole bunch of stuff. She has great stories about <clears throat> not getting a message when she was given feedback until finally someone had to kind of, metaphorically, of course, shake her and say, well, wake up. This is important. You need to do something about this. So that is the challenging directly, but it won't fly if you don't care personally as well. So I recommend you you look into it if you want to. Uh, if you have any questions and want to talk about it further, I'd be happy to do so. All right. So we spent most of our meeting, our webinar this morning, making a case for developing a culture of feedback. And we've talked about feedback should be at least 50% positive. And then you can deal with the problems that come up as they happen. And then if you get that going and use a model consistently, you will feel more comfortable with it. But so with your folks. So we've looked at some of the When it is correct, corrective in nature, that's fine. Let's just finish up with saying, hey, you're going to get feedback too. 
So how do leaders, how do how does the receiver have to behave? And most important thing is you do not automatically have to agree with or defend your behavior. All you have to say is thank you. Well, thank you for that feedback. And then of course, there's gonna be an additional conversation if you're confused, if you don't agree, if you're shocked, whatever, you'll have that, okay? But to begin with, all you have to say is thank you. So I gave you feedback and what do you say? Thanks, thanks, that's all you have to say. You do need to be an active, not a passive listener. You are gonna ask questions. You are going to feedback your understanding, all those things about being an active listener. You do have to be open, of course, to those perspectives that are very different than yours. Um, and you have to monitor those emotional triggers. That's going to be facial. That's going to be body. That's going to be what comes out of your mouth. That's going to be things like impulse control. That's an emotional intelligence. You know, not exactly saying what's on your mind all the time. Right? So... Are there rules of the road for the person receiving the feedback? Yeah, every bit as much as the person giving the feedback. The good news is most of us can do these pretty well. It's a matter of reminding ourselves, right? Getting that done, right? As I said earlier, most people don't like feedback because they see it as unfair. It's being dumped on me and they don't appreciate that. There's a real simple fix for that. And that is simply, Ask for it yourself. Don't wait for someone to give you feedback. Who's choosing the time? You are. Who's choosing the topic? You are. Who's choosing the person to, to give the feedback? You are. You are in control. So this really decreases that sense of not being in control, of, um, of having others calling the shots. Don't wait for someone to come to you and say, let's talk about that staff meeting yesterday. If you have given a, a presentation, if you've done something for senior manager, ask them. And if you say, so how did I do? I'm going to come after you. Okay, I want you to ask specifically, very easily, two things. What one thing did I do well that you would recommend that I continue? If there was one thing you'd have me do a little differently, something you'd have me stop doing or tone down or just tweak in some way, what one thing would that be? This is simple. And what it does is it builds that culture of trust. It, re it requires a culture of trust to, to have it happen well, but it also builds a culture of trust because you're out there saying, I want to be the best that I can be. So please give me some feedback on how that worked. Okay. Robert, I'm going to jump in here real quick. For all of you who are in the room and online, I just want to let you know it is 11.59. We're almost done with, yes. with the presentation. I do have one question to ask her okay. uh, after we get done here. But um, if okay. you need to log off or need to leave the room, just wanted to let you know it is 12 o'clock right now. Okay, thank you. All right. So we started our conversation today talking about career development, communication, and transparency. Feedback gets you there. Feedback allows for these things to happen. What is the question? Uh, what happens if you start the feedback process and the other person doesn't participate? Yeah, that's a really good question. Okay. So if you have a culture of feedback, then generally speaking, you will have less of this. If your culture of feedback is weak or is new, you're going to you're going to run into this. And this is where I love that word perspective. As you explain to them that this is not me haranguing you. This is me wanting to understand your perspective, what you think happened, and for you and I together to brainstorm it. So using the word perspective and using the word brainstorm can sometimes re reduce some of that um, defensiveness, some of that anger or, or nervousness even, um, and allow them to say, well, Okay, and then they'll set, tell you one thing and you build off of that and you say, well, what else? You know, what else do you think might have impacted this? And then they'll say one other little thing and then you build off of that. It is a building process. It can be a slow process, but it's a great question. So thank you for that. All right, how about here in the room? Anybody? I just don't think we did not cover. Or that sounded just very weird. 
There was a question that just came online. Is there a handout for this? Um, I would be happy to share a PowerPoint slide. Will they have access to that? If we put it on the classroom, yeah. yes. Yeah, I can certainly put the PowerPoint slides on classrooms. I'm happy to do that. And I'm and and Scott and Casey, we are all a wealth of knowledge when it comes to feedback. So yeah, we'd be happy to talk to you. All right, we're done. The only other uh, point that came across was we really need to get lapel mics because oh it echoes in here. So oh. I received some feedback on the echoing. Okay, I do appreciate that feedback. That's good feedback. Thank you. All right, everybody, have a good day. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. Um, the Recording will be on MDT Classrooms as well as any handouts that she provides. And sorry we went over a little bit. Have a great day. Human Resources Training Courses can be accessed through MDT Classrooms. All information in this podcast is informational and does not supersede any policy or collective bargaining agreement. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Adventure awaits on the road.